in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's life. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 194. The good stuff. Yeah, certainly better than last week. <laughs> so this time around, Mark and I are taking uh, Red Lanterns 32 and 33 and New Guardians 32 and 33. Uh, and uh, just reviewing those this time around as uh, part of our catch-up gang here. Gang. Gang. Game. Could be, a, could, be a, could be a gang, too. <laughs> That's right. So uh, we're going to start with uh, Red Lanterns 32, right? Sounds good, otherwise known as Atrocities, Part 1. Huzzah. Indeed. Let's do it. Let's do it. So Red Lanterns 32 picks up. It's been a while since we did <laughs> did a Red Lanterns review, but but the last time uh, we left the Red Lanterns, basically the guy was planning on rescuing Rancor. I think that's what the, like the last issue was advertising, like the search or the quest for Rancor, which seems to be a popular theme in Lantern books these days. <laughs> muck, muck. Muck, muck, soda, miyad. Fatality, you name it. Everybody, everybody's going on a quest for somebody. <laughs> so we pick up with a little, the little uh, meeting of guys, Red Lanterns, including the judge who just went with guys' group at the end of the last issue to basically judge them and see what re- what guys' Reds have basically under the hood. You know what, what's tick, kind of what uh, they have going on, you know, upstairs. What's ticking there to see if compared to what Atrocitus showed her. So they're in this, their flagship. They're in their ship, planning on rescuing Rancor. Blaze is saying it's a pretty much it's a it's about time. Guy wants Kara and the Judge basically to to not come along because the mission's going to be dangerous, and they really don't have any dog in the fight, so to speak. So he's trying to wave them off, but of course Kara doesn't want to listen, which is par for the course, you know, and. For good reasons too, because she says, you know, that you know, Rancor is one of us. So even though she really doesn't know him, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's the fact that he's a, he's he's a red. He's one of us. I want to go. And the judge, which is, you know, she wishes to observe, so she's going along too. So more or less, that their guy's plan is for them to be the backup. So guy tells, you know, Zox to uh, kind of like use the muscle on the ship to attack the last known location, pretty much, where Rancor was being kept by Atrocitus, the surrounding area, anyway. They find that they find a little, more like a hut, where a guy is kind of expecting to find Atrocitus, even though Skalix kind of points out, you know, something doesn't quite seem right about this. It seems a little off. I mean, if he knew we were coming, then where is he? And guy just kind of rushes in, and then when you get inside the little hut, you see Rancor is chained there, mindless, you know, the napalm blood kind of like dripping from his mouth. He just seems like a, you know, a mindless monster. And this, and that is on the splash page, which says atrocities part one of four cry havoc. Now we swift, we swiftly cut to Yismal to where ironically, uh, atrocities group and he and Dexter and their little band of red lanterns have, you know, they have made their way back to Yismalt, and they're standing like they're sta- standing in the midst of all the statues that Guy and company built. And Dexter is like, Atrocitus, what are these? And he's like, one word, Dexter, sacrilege. 
which is kind of interesting because you kind of find that despite the fact that he's that he sees the whole idea of having these statues, it's kind of completely abhorrent to him. Is the fact that he's he everybody seems to like Ratchet. That's that's the underlying theme of this of the Red Lanterns these days. Is everybody thinks Ratchet was a good guy and got a raw deal. Because even Atrocitus kind of points out that you know Ratchet he could have been he could have been among the greatest of us. Instead, he kind of died wasting his time in Gardner in Gardner's service. Uh, Atrocitus kind of has a little uh, ego moment, saying, "You know, look what kind of like look what Guy Gardner's done. He pretty much he kills Reds. In fact, he even killed me. But I rose again. Do you think that means something?" And he and he guy you know Atrocitus points out it's kind of like a test. That basically they need to overcome Guy. Guy is a test to see who's worthy of being a, being a red. You know he has been chosen for this for this task, and today it begins. And Atrocitus flies up to, to Guy's statue. He acknowledges it's a bad like a bad a bad likeness, but also it's kind of he acknowledges that it, you know Guy's it looks like Guy, but it just shows how smug and stupid Guy is. He so he spits his napalm all over Guy's face and corrodes it. Atrocitus gives the marching orders to his red saying, tear them all down except for ratchets. He, you know, leave that one. He deserved better than he received. So that was kind of a nice moment in, in the midst of a complete egomaniac moment or egomaniac uh, rant by a uh, maniacal rant by Atrocitus. It's kind of nice to know that he, he, he still, he kind of cared for ratchet, which is kind of cool. We cut back to Guy's group. Rancor is all it's, they're kind of trying to figure out what exactly is wrong with Rancor. Maybe, you know, he and plus they start thinking about the ramifications of this. You know, Rancor was was completely rational. He was he could think and now he was made mindless again. And they're all starting to worry about, you know, could this happen to us? Whatever happened to, to Rancor, could it happen to us? You know, um, they have a little discussion about, you know, Atrocitus and why, you know, why. Is Atrocitus doing all this? And uh, Scalix kind of points out, well, you know, Gardner kind of, you know, he kind of beat Atrocitus to death. They're damn well close to it and humiliated him. And he took the Red Lanterns away from Atrocitus. And kind of this is this is kind of what got the ball rolling for Atrocitus being so hell-bent on going after them. And Guy kind of acknowledges that, yes, this is all his fault. At that moment, Rancor breaks free. Uh Actually, I should say he he explodes in anger, but actually technically Blaze is the one who released him because she says he's one of us and he shouldn't be chained. Rancor engages all of Guy's Reds and pretty much is doing a good good job of being able to uh, take on all of them. Actually, you know, they try to reason with Rancor. He just kind of just scream. He just kind of screams in, in mindless rage. Back back on Yzmalt, Atrocitus. Uh, Pretty much shows another one of his little unique talents because he dips his hand into the the blood lake on his malt and basically starts poisoning it and drying it out. And then he kind of eyes the, the red power battery and says, "Now let us finish this." You know, we, we cut back to the battle between Rancor and the Reds. Blaze contacts Zox and basically tells him to uh, uh basically to get ready to. To look, you know, to lock on to the location, and when she gives the word to blast, regardless, Blaze tries one last time to kind of reason with Rancor. It doesn't work. Rancor gets uh, attacks Blaze. Blaze grabs him. She yells at Zox. Now, you know, Zox blasts the living hell out of both of them, but they're not really dead. They're just pretty much as close as they possibly could be to dead. 
So their plan is to bring him back to Yismol to put him back into the Blood Lake. Uh, later on, towards the you know the very end of the book, we see they arrive on Yismol and they kind of see exactly what Atrocis has done. They see all the statues destroyed except for Ratchets. The central power battery is now destroyed. The Blood Lake, you know, is drying out. Is poisoned. Guy, you know, at this moment, Guy kind of realizes how you know knee deep in everything they are. He takes Kara aside. And again, he tries to tell Carrie, you know, this is, you know, you really don't need to, you know, this isn't going to be taking sides. You know, pretty much it's going to be, there's going to be winners and there's going to be dead. And he doesn't, you know, he feels protective of her. He doesn't, it's not her fight. So she, he pretty much wants to release her for of her Red Lantern duties, if you will. She kind of argues at first, but Guy does convince her that, you know, you could, you know, you're better than all this. You don't deserve this. And even points out that, you know, I'll give you the coordinates for Mogo. You should go there and you should go look for Hal Jordan. And, and I'm sure if there's a way to get the, the red ring off your finger, they'll be a, he'll be able to figure out a way. Guy and Kara kind of have a nice touching little moment there. And then at the end, you know, uh, very, very end of the issue, Scalix is kind of like really upset with Guy. It's like, yeah, how could you send her away? You know, she's the strongest red we have. You're an idiot. And Guy points out she's a person. You know, she's not a weapon. You know, she's not a weapons galaxy. She's a person. And, you know, we all deserve what's coming. She doesn't. And at this point, you know, pretty much only thing we can hope for at the end of this is that we can take Atrocities down with us. And that ends Atrocities Part 1. The art's really growing on me. It works well for the tone of the book. I agree. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it at first, especially when they were drawing ice. But uh, I think the way Lee's and... Um, and uh, Kara are drawn, kind of makes up for that. Yes, even though you know Kara's face doesn't—I mean, she doesn't look traditionally like Supergirl, really, to me. Sure. But based on the context of the book, yes, I think overall, I think overall the art is—you know—it's certainly good for this book. I mean, in some characters, I think Guy is drawn pretty well, despite that ridiculous haircut. That uh, Scalix is drawn pretty well. So is Zox. Um, that splash of Rancor is pretty cool. Oh, when he's drooling, foaming at the mouth, the title page. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's pretty cool. He he is act he's actually drawn pretty well throughout throughout this throughout this book. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, it's a there's a lot of good stuff in this book, especially setting the stage for this you know this whole this whole story arc. So the red the red light burns, so it has some heat to it. Um, it's bright. It's 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 and it, and it's red. Do you think? The Red Lantern should be able to make some sort of uh, red sun beam. You mean related to Kara? Yeah. I don't know. Like Maybe. You, you think that that's why the constructs that Rancor made hurt her in any way? I mean, because, I mean, okay, so I wouldn't expect like a yellow lantern to be able to make a yellow sun or anything like that. Because, But adding the factor of, you know, the heat and everything that comes with the Red Lantern side of things and... The fact that it's light, the fact that it's red, I mean, if anybody should be able to make any type of sun, then I think the Red Lanterns could be able to at least kind of temporarily mimic a red sun. You know, one of those, uh, didn't Lex Luthor equip his people at one point with red sun guns or something in the pre-New 52? I thought there was something like that. Yes. I think there could I think there could be something in the and just in the in the yes the the red light itself that could be similar enough to to a, to the effects of a red sun where it will have some kind of effect on her not sap her strength but be able to but be able to hurt her 
I mean, there's a precedent set as far as suns are concerned. Like, because remember when the Blue Lanterns first showed up, St. Walker and uh, Warth drew on the collective hope of a planet to turn back the sun, turn, turn back the clock on, on the sun of a, uh, a solar system to help save it. And made it and blue. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, back in the... Back in the days when we had Blue Lanterns. That's right. Over a year ago. <laughs> uh, other, I mean, Bleeze just keeps taking a beating physically, so... <laughs> yeah, because yeah, she's softening, and obviously she cares about Rancor enough where she keeps putting herself at risk and not necessarily thinking with her head. You think they're building a romantic relationship there? I think so, at least, at least as far as you know, she's interested in it. I think so. I don't think it's just oh she feels responsible. I think that I think I think there is more. I think there's more to it than that. Uh, I, I guess Atrocitus made the red blood water moldy because it kind of looks like hairy black mold. Yeah, originally it looks. Originally it looks. It just looked like he was drying it out. But somewhere, if it's not if it's not in this issue, it's in the second part that they mention that the blood is po- that when they return to his mall that is poisoned. So yeah. I'm not. So it's it's not necessarily that it's all. It's not necessarily that it's all dried out. I mean, I think it's. I think it's both. But like, if you look at the end of the issue with the battery, I mean, it still looks kind of liquidy. But yes, when he's first touching it, it's kind of like he's like turning it into moss. It almost looks like. But I think maybe that's just supposed to be the poison working its way through the the blood. Well, speaking of the second issue, you want to move on to that, or do you have anything else to say about this? No, one? we can. No, we can move on to the second issue. Uh, oh, which is my favorite of the two. Which is. Uh, Red Lanterns 33, Atro- Atrocities Part Do, Old Battles. So we begin in Sector 1818, 18, 18, right? Wow, that's kind of odd. Yeah. They just love num- they just love numbers like that. Basically, at some at a trading post, otherwise dun, dun, known as a, dun, 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 yeah, dun, I was just dun. gonna say, otherwise known as, a, as another cantina or bar, <laughs> guys drinking some sh- some shit. Who knows what it is? And then yeah, the bar the Tentacled bartender asks him if he wants another. He says yes, and then you hear a voice going, "I've got this one, and one for me too." And who shows up but John Stewart? And guy, of course, kind of being somewhat, you know, facetious and like, uh, "John Stewart is I live and breathe." And it's like, I don't know why you're surprised. You asked me to meet you here. And he goes, "I'm not surprised. It's you. I'm surprised you showed up." Which kind of doesn't really entirely make sense, but <laughs> that. Uh, you know, John says he's kind of glad that you know that you weren't you invited me. It's been a while, you know, since we've really talked and we've had our differences lately. <laughs> and Guy does a nice little shot to him. He goes, you know, it's no lie. You know, you're, you're telling the truth. It's like my first instinct actually was to call Hal. <laughs> and and John actually takes him seriously at first. It's like you, you got to be kidding. After everything we've been through, you'd call Hal over me. And it's like, and Guy just sits there and he just starts and he just gets a smile on his face and he goes. And John goes, "Oh, you're an ass gardener." It's like, "Hey, I love you too, buddy." So they 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 both drink, and John just says, well, "You know, let's cut to the chase." You know, what is really going on? He goes, "I need your help." And pretty much, guy fills him in uh, about everything that happened, uh, been going on with uh, Atrocitus and the basically the power struggle with the Reds. You know, he talks about he talks about how he's. You know, he's tearing everything down. He wrecked the central power battery. This is when they mentioned that he poisoned the blood lake on his malt. And he mentioned how he kind of, you know, what he did to Rancor, who's now encaged like in this glass glass cage. Uh, Bleas is talking to the judge and she goes, you can see into people's heads, right? You can touch their minds. And, 
And she, the judge says, yes, I can. And she goes, well, help him then, cure him. And she goes, I will not, I, you know, I can watch, you know, I can weigh and I, I can judge, but that's all I, you know, that's all I am. I'm not here for you, please. I'm here for me. And please kind of gets really upset. You know, then, then you're useless. She pledges she will find a way to help him. And if I can't, then, she, you know, she swears she's going to make, you know, Atrocis will lose everything before she kills him. On board, on board the ship, Skalix and Zox are talking. Um, basically, Zox is still trying to track down Atrocitus. Skalix continues to, you know, lay the lay the groundwork for uh, what happens later on in this issue, and they, the groundwork was kind of laid for a while about his not necessarily his pure discontent with Guy Gardner, but just the fact that he's kind of a wild card in this. Because he kind of asks, you know, he asks where Gardner, you know, wh- what happened to Gardner? Where is he? You know, he sends he sends Kara away, and then he disappears. Scalix, I mean, as Zox points out, well, you know, he he said he's going for help. And he goes, "You believe that? You really think he's coming back?" And Zox doesn't even hesitate and goes, "Yeah, I do." Scalix has his doubts. Um, the the system scan goes into Sector Seven One Eight, which was actually Scalix Sector which is pointed out by Zox. He goes, wasn't that the sector where, you, you know, wasn't that your sector where the ring found you? And on Stige, on Stige Prime, that's his planet. And it goes, he goes, well, you know, you're past all that now. Give it a look, move on. And then, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. I told Bleeds I'd take a shift to watch Rancor. So basically you keep, you keep an eye on the ship, on the Calvar, see if anything turns up. And... Scalix kind of says thank you, but he says it, and even though it's you know it's written kind of monotone, you kind of have get a bad vibe off of it. And Scalix basically soon goes, yeah, I think I found them. Then we switch back to Guy and John. Uh, they keep talking about you know it's, it's kind of funny when he goes, Lantern uh, Swixel says hello. By the way, Swixel, that guy's the best. <laughs> he makes every drink taste better. <laughs> I don't know, that part just struck me as so funny just when I read it, that even the first time I said, Swixel, that guy's the best! And and Guy, uh, John points out that a lot of the other Lanterns are, are you know, basically have been asking about him, they're concerned about him. John just basically, he, again, cutting to the chase, he asks Guy, you know, you know, why did you do it? You know, why did you join the Reds? You know, what the hell ever did revenge do for you? Or do you need revenge for it, basically? And he goes... I've been thinking about that, and he goes, I kind of figured I needed, or I wanted revenge on myself. You know, and God, and John, kind of being a little narrow-minded there, goes, you know, that's ridiculous. Anger's empty. It doesn't accomplish anything. It's a useless emotion. <laughs> and Guy goes, so how are you doing these days, John? And he, and he points out the fact to, to John that he sees John, who keeps eyeing this chick in the, in, the back, in the back of the bar, who kind of looks ironically like fatality. And this ties into what's been going on, and we saw go on even in the last issue of Core, where Fatality was replaced by the Durlin. So obviously, uh, they both have their their they both have their female issues. So when Guy points out Fatality, John points out Tora. They both, you know, she tells John to shut up about that, and then John, he switches it back to John, like so something bad's happening with you, gal, right? And he goes, "That's an understatement, yeah." And doesn't that make you mad? And John just says, well, that no, that's not constructive. And Guy points out the interesting little philosophy there, but sometimes you got to burn things to the ground before you can build something new. And he goes, whatever, I'm going to go hit the John. Uh, we cut back to Yismalt. Uh, Rancor is freaking out inside his, his cell. Um, uh, Blee's cuts 
basically Blee's, uh cuts herself to get some blood because she's going to feed it to Rancor. She does. She cuts an opening or op- creates an opening to put her arm through to give Rancor her blood. Just that's when Zock shows up and goes, "What are you doing? Get away from him!" Um, she's hoping that the you know the blood the blood from her arm will basically do the same thing as the as uh, kind of what the lake did, and also what you know Ran- to make him intelligent. Of course, Rancor is freaking out and shooting like tentacles of energy at her arm, trying not to let her go. Finally, finally, Zox is able to help release, he close the opening and cut off Rancor from Blees. He calls for help to Skellox. It's like, you know, get down here. Something's, go- something's going on with Rancor. We need, we need you. That's when we find out Skellox is gone. He went to Stig- or Stige Prime, where he finds, ironically enough, there's another – now there's a new Blood Lake – and he looks, whether it's a new power battery or not, it certainly looks like a red church, if nothing else, with the red lantern symbol on it. Just as he gets closer, a big energy construct of Dexter's face attacks him. Atrocitus points out that nothing is impossible if you believe in me. And you have Atrocitus wearing, like, holy robes for him, which is kind of an interesting look. He goes, unfortunately, it's, you know, it seems like that time has passed for you to believe in me. I mean, you're, you chose to cast your lot with the usurper. Guy Gardner, and he tells Dexter to kill him quickly. Uh, Atrostis, I mean, while after Atrostis says that, Scalus kind of throws himself at his mercy, like, please don't kill me. You know, you know, this is the place, you know, this is the place of my birth. You know, this is the place that I burned. And of course, Atrostis points out, I know all this, I know all the all the rage chronicles of all my children, <laughs> even the prodigals. Um, Scalus says, but you destroyed those who tormented me, and you. There's nothing left. And he goes, correct. I, you know, that, you know, Lancer who, and his crew who, you know, who tortured you, basically they took, they certainly were, basically they were torturing the butcher. They took liberties with our avatar, as he phrases it. And Skalix is somewhat confused. He's like, you gave me my revenge? And he goes, I did. We are Red Lanterns. Your revenge is my revenge. You betrayed me, but I stayed true to you, to the blood oaths. And Skalix kind of, you know, in his little contained like an energy bubble there kind of drops to his knees and he's kind of praying it's like uh that you know i kind of knew i kind of knew knew you had done this so you were doing this as like gardner developed a way to track you which kind of completely throws atrocitus off guard and he uh, scalix just begs you know please give me one more chance please and while at the same time atrocitus is is acknowledging that it's pathetic and dexter's ready to kill him he goes no i i can use him Back on the space cantina. Go ahead, hit the music, Chad. John's taking a drink. He gets smashed over the head with a glass. He goes, we hear what you say about us, Lantern Scum, which, which of course is news to John because John hasn't been talking to anybody. He didn't say anything. But it pisses, but it pisses John off. And he's about ready, you know, and he starts getting into a fist fight with, with all these aliens. John's being pressed against the bar by one of them. And that's when Guy shows back, comes back from taking a leak. He goes, need a hand there, Stuart? He goes, yes, I do, damn it. He goes, well, all right then. So then they get into this big brawl. Guy shot first. That's right. (laughs) They get into this big brawl duking out. A very interesting, weird kind of cut since they cut for one panel back to, uh, back to Astrocitus. It's like, uh, Scalix is like, you created an, you created a new blood lake. It's like, yes, the only one in the universe. 
and I poisoned the blood on his malt. He goes, it kind of was regrettable, but he had no choice to do it. He goes, you can create new rings. I mean, the nine you sent out before, <laughs> Gardner is obsessed with them. And got, uh, Atrocitus goes, yes, nine, yes, understandable. Now you switch, you go back to this, the uh, the bar. Guy and John are there, like, with the help. You know, looking like the hell, they got the hell beat out of them, especially John. John kind of goes, you you told that guy to, you know, to kick my ass, didn't you? And he goes, ah, yeah. It's like sometimes you just need a good, sometimes you just need a good old throw down. And going back to the point you said about, you know, sometimes you need to tear stuff down before you can build stuff back up again. Uh, John pretty much gets asked for help if he, you know, if he, if he can help. Guy, guy gets an answer he doesn't really I guess he expects but probably doesn't was hoping he wouldn't get you know it's like guy I'm responsible for a bunch of new lanterns uh trust this this you know this is 2814 it's not really our sector now maybe if Hal could get you know if Hal knew about this if he got involved and maybe and he goes guy goes I know red problems are red problems you know we deserve whatever we whatever we do you know we kind of brought this upon ourselves John tries to give him the uh yeah, you know the speech that you don't have to be a red. You can come back to us. We'll figure a way, figure out a way. It's like, nah, they're my guys. You know, just same way your recruits are yours. You know, the reds are mine. You know, thanks for the drink. You know, he goes, I'll be okay. I mean, really. And he goes, what's the worst that could happen is the dialogue. But in between, you get to that point. We cut back to Atrocitus. He tells Scalix and the rest of his to join his new brothers and sisters. Lend me your strength. And then at that moment, on the final splash page, you see ring upon ring upon ring shooting into the sky, red rings from the new Blood Lake on uh, Stige Prime. And that is the end of the issue. Trostagus has got a weird uh, robe. Yeah, it doesn't really go. Uh-uh. No. It kinda, it's a little feminine for him. A little bit. Just a little bit. And offering Rancor her blood is kind of an odd choice, but... She's desperate. Yeah. Um, I, again, I like the art, but I think it kind of took a little bit of a dive in this issue. And I don't mean like it was awful. I just mean it was less good than the previous issue. Uh, I don't know. I To me, there isn't a, a noticeable, a real noticeable change, unless you don't like the way he drew Jon Stewart. But Jon Stewart is a little bulky, but head-wise. But I don't know. I didn't think it was a substantial difference. I kind of like I like Atrocitus's band of reds, though. They're kind of a cool-looking group. And did you notice the uh, art mistake? Tell me where I was, and tell me tell me where you found what you were looking at. And I'll tell you. Maybe I glossed over it this time, but I'm I'm looking at the page that we first see Bleez and Rancor and his little thing. Yes. That. Oh, the battery. No. Oh, the statue. Yeah. yeah uh, looks like they did. They did some damage to Ratchet. Yeah, which wasn't supposed to happen. The actively avoided in uh, the previous issue. That is correct. That is a that is a mistake. Because even if you go back to the the last issue, I'm just trying to make sure that you get a good view of his statue being 100% intact. It is. It's kind of blocked a little by the judge. To be fair, when mm. they when they return. And even at the end, you don't, you can't entirely see it. So I guess, if, 
You are correct. Based on everything they said, it's a mistake. Uh, they could probably try to weasel out of it if they wanted to by saying, well, you technically never saw it in t- 100% intact. They may have. But it, it makes absolutely sense. makes perfect sense that it's a mistake since Atrocitus from the very beginning, when it when was telling them to destroy the other statues, he said, don't touch that one. So I agree. I think it was a mistake. The new Red Lantern designs seem to just be cooler and cooler. Just creepier and creepier at the very least. <laughs> yeah, especially... Especially atrocitouses, yeah, they definitely, uh, they are kind of, they are kind of freaky. And, yet, and when I saw him in his robes, I think the, one of the things I thought of, and it's kind of interesting whether whether at some point we're going to end up at you know, going this route or not, it's the idea that I thought somewhere before the new, you know, the new creative teams took over, that it was kind of hinted at that Atrocitus was going to become more like the guardian of the Reds, as opposed to yeah. being the leader of the Reds. Which was a way you, could, you thought originally that they might that he and Guy might coexist, where Guy would actually be the leader, but Atrocitus would be the guardian. That even though they still seem completely diametrically opposed in their philosophy, so it's, I don't see that happening right away. But but you kind of wonder maybe if they're kind of like they could be leading us to you know starting to put the the breadcrumbs down that that are going to lead to that. Because when you really think about it, of all the cores of the emotional spectrum, the Reds are the only ones that have never had a guardian. Right. So maybe it's maybe Atrocitus is going to step up, step up, and eventually be be in that, you know, be in that role. So, uh, did you have anything else to say about this issue? I, as overall for these two issues, I did like them very much, and I will admit, as before we even get into, you know, the New Guardians ones, I think the, those two issues of the Red Lanterns did a little bit more to me, for me than the New Guardians, so there's kind of a specific reason why I think that the New Guardians didn't do as much for me or kind of were get kind of like getting on my nerves a little bit as these issues were going on. But overall, I like the issues, and it continues the trend of the Red Lanterns and the New Guardians being the better books. So, so Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 32? Go for it. Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 32. What are the Scions? I already know what the Scions are. Don't spoil things for me, jerk. Um, so the whole thing uh, opens up with uh, this uh, cat-like creature, um, you know, kind of hiding as uh, fellow uh, members of his race are getting sucked up into the sky. Uh, he does a, a Shia LaBeouf impersonation. No, 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 no. Uh, and, <laughs> and that's when uh, that's when Quar- it's Quaros, right? I believe so. And Quaros uh, says, you know, child, you need to be quiet. You know, uh, they're, they're going to take you. Uh, they end up taking him anyways, the uh, little cat-like creature, and uh, this is not to uh, Quaros' liking. He tries to stand up to this massive ship in the sky, uh, telling everybody else to run. You know, I demand you show yourself to me. Yeah, we will show you. And uh, they suck Quaros up into their ship. Over in 2814, the uh, planet Skartara, <laughs> the last known location of Quaros, according to the universe. Uh, Carol's trying to comfort Zala as she uh, is you know, looking at the signs of uh, Quaros being taken. Uh, the, all the Guardians are kind of surveying the immediate area. Uh, Zala is kind of pushed, you know, being... Uh, a bitch, I was, basically. <laughs> I was going to say that. So. <laughs> uh, the, bitchy, to, uh, the bitchy she's been so far, it seems. Yeah, to uh, to Carol. Um, 
you know, uh, they're kind of reaching out. One of the Guardians is sensing terror, fear. Um, you know, Zal's like, don't comfort me, Carol. You know, uh, our brother has been taken. I'm sorry, but uh, I'm not trying to comfort you. I was trying to bring up the fact Kyle's gone. Um, and no, none of you seem to care. And one of the other Guardians is like, well, we care deeply about both of you. We don't sense that he's in any immediate danger, but our brother is. Um, one of the other Guardians, uh, Yekop, is kind of fiddling with some technology but his conclusion is that it's uh it's uh owen inspired and that you know who could silence a guardian well uh, us and they said well there's no other guardians and one of the quotes and i'll read directly here is that is true but it is also true that what our lost brothers and sister brought into this universe still exists as sapphire ferris demonstrates um so they decide to kind of Vulcan mind meld to, uh, you know, see where Quaros is at, see if they can get a sense of him, one, you know, one mind. Um, and, you know, they, they hint at the danger of this. Uh, and then immediately the next page is kind of like a mind explosion and everybody gets knocked to the ground. Uh, but they, they it worked. They figured out their brother is alive and he's suffering. And elsewhere, uh, Quaros has picked up on his brothers and sisters, you know, sensing him. And uh, that, you know, they're going to come for you. And they say yes as they rip his arm off, eat it partly. I mean, I don't know with this technology. Um, Carol and the Guardians go zooming through the universe. Uh, as Carol tries to say, you guys aren't thinking right. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not thinking straight. Uh, Otherwise translated, you're not thinking like about Kyle. That's right. Um uh, but it's, 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 it's too late as they are already at the ship. Um, and they, you know, the, the guardian, Carol's like, this is a bad idea. The guardians go into the ship and she reiterates that they're not thinking straight. So she follows them in there and they start seeing, uh, hybrid creatures. Um, they're kind of seeing where the space sharks are coming from. Uh, you know, because one of the questions we had earlier is, you know, we saw unaltered space sharks, but one of the first ones we saw was the kind of cyborg shark. Yep. So they're giving us some origin of why we saw some cyber ones. So I guess the hints were there all along. Um, I, I kind of going to skip through this as it, 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 it's a lot of points reiterated as far as the horrors that they see in this ship. Basically, a lot of living beings being torn limb from limb and bonded with technology or genetically altered in horrifying and seemingly painful ways. Um, Carol hears a voice and goes and finds this cat-like person that Quaros was guarding earlier. Uh, you know, they, she, this person tells the Guardians, um, you know, I, I did see your brother. He's around here somewhere. Uh, they see more of these abominations, uh, and they actually use the word abomination. One of them is begging for death or help. Um, they have no control, really. The cat-like person is kind of talking about how, I'm sorry, uh, they knew you were coming. I, I have no control, but kind of morphs into this uh, scorpion-like cre uh, creature um, and you know starts attacking everybody. And all of a sudden, poof, a big bright white light. And Carol's like, what now? And he's like, I missed you too. Uh, so he says, what the hell is that? And what the hell is going on? To be continued. And Kyle is back. Boom. So what do you think? It didn't do that much for me, honestly. <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot here. 
there, there's there's something I'm gonna I'm comment on. It's it's a positive thing, but in the back of my mind, it's kind of a negative thing. Like for instance, this uh, splash of the ship here, uh, where before they enter it, right before they enter it. Um, awesome art, lots of cool color, you know, stuff like that. But I think they're starting to overuse the whole planet thing. <laughs> like, look how close these planets are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a giant cluster of planets, and that's just... I mean, is, is, is not the, like, expanse of the night sky with all the stars and, you know, maybe a planet or two, a couple of suns, is that not enough to, you know, kind of signify the expanse of space? Or do you have to put this ship in such close juxtaposition to so many planets that that's the only way you could possibly convey the size of this? Yeah. I mean, it, I it, mean, it, <laughs> it looks cool. I'll say that. But it doesn't make sense to me. Even when there's even right after that page where you see Quaros being tortured, when they're zooming through the sky, look at all those planets. The yeah. ones they're zooming past, the ones that are kind of Star Trek, you know, warp speed stretched out as they go flying by. I mean, look at all of those. They're so close. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a cluttered space system that they live in in this universe. I guess. I don't know if they, I don't know if, I mean, what well, it didn't bother me. It never really, violence in comics never really has, but they kind of up the gruesome ante in here. Yeah, they did, but that, they were, I mean, they, clearly they did, they did it. You know, for a reason, but uh, yeah, it was it was a little, and it's not just what we saw; it's the fact that they, you know, as we'll as we'll see more of it in the second issue, that it's it's how all the other characters react to it, which kind of kind of like feeds that even more. All right. But God, very very dark once they entered the. Uh... Yes, in every way possible. But God, Carol's annoying. Yeah, in this issue in particular, yes, she is. I don't. I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know if she got, gets much better in 33, but God, 32, she was she was just whiny, whiny, whiny. You'd never guess she's the, you know she's the one who's supposed to be like 10 years older or whatever than Kyle. I mean, Jesus. Um, I, I that I think that's what's really that's really what's kind of like sucking my interest from this book. I think it's just it's not even the forced relationship that they're kind of like dr- trying to. I mean, I don't. I I kind of am thinking that they're kind of. Forcing this on us, but yet they're still not going to have payoff on it. You know that something's going to prevent that from happening. But right. regard, but but regardless, it's like it. Her her. I like Carol as a character, but but I don't think she, I don't think her portrayal as of late is particularly flattering for for Carol. I wonder if they're trying to make her younger emotionally, or is it the ring? Her. Yeah. Or yeah. Like that's that's my, that was what I was about to say. Is it the ring? I mean, you can see that, that, which doesn't necessarily negate its effect on me. But yes, as far as from a plot point of view, that would make a certain amount of sense. Because as as we're going to find out, you know, with stuff related to fatality in the sapphire ring, that don't forget, you know, the, the it's easy to forget because it's a quote unquote positive emotion, and we and we're used to seeing some really cool star sapphires up close and personal. That it is on the one of the extremes of the emotional spectrum. So the the sapphire ring logically should have a strong controlling factor over you, even if it's not something that it's 
even if it's to you is more subtle. I mean, it may be more subtle, let's say, than like the orange ring corrupting you. So it's very, very possible that. It, and plus, don't forget that in the beginning, we had Carol kind of, you know, being philosophical about whether she really, you know, how how much she loved Hal, or she loved the idea of Hal, or she wanted to keep the idea or the ideal of her being with Hal out there because she was afraid that if she didn't, she would lose her ring. So maybe, so you might be correct in the sense that it might be, it might be her ring, or it might be her, it might be a combination of that because she needs, she feels. She has to feel love in order to remain a sapphire, at least almost like an addiction that she feels like she she might lose this if she doesn't keep this going. She has to make sure she's in love. She has to make sure she thinks she's in love. She wants to be in love. So, yes, maybe that's the reason why she's latching on to Kyle. Simply be, it might be the ring driving her more than, you know, just a natural, you know, expansion or of, you know, of affection over time or feelings or closeness over time. So that is. That is a realistic possibility, I think, but it doesn't make it any less annoying to read to me. <laughs> yeah, and my only other point I had was I I, I do like the uh, emotional reactive guardians, but I could see that becoming a bit much when they're teamed up with a white lantern human and a like you're saying a, a far end of a spectrum love lantern. You know what I mean? Right. It could be a bit. You know, I don't mean to, you know, be ironic or anything. It could be a bit too emotional if if the Guardians start, you know. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that these Guardians feel, and I appreciate being reminded of that. But if they go far, too far into the emotional end and Kyle and Carol end up by default starting to sound like the more logical ones, that might throw me off a little bit. I think, right now, I think... Kyle would be the one who comes would come out being the most rational. Yeah, I think Carol. I mean, if that's what that was kind of ironic about the conversations they were having in this in this issue is because Carol's. I mean, they both they both basically are doing the same exact thing. I mean, Carol's just all Carol really gives a crap about is Kyle, and all the Guardians short term really get, care about is finding one of their own. So, and they're both kind of, you know, actually. To be fair, the Guardians really weren't the one pointing the fingers at Carol as much as Carol was pointing the fingers at them for just not thinking, you know, basically because their interests weren't were in hers or, or yeah, because they, they were not on the same page as her. All of a sudden they were they were not thinking properly. So I but it's kind of they over they were kind of bickering a little back and forth when they basically they both had their own dog in the fight at the time. So I would expect Kyle in general to be the. Ironically, at the moment, the more rational or neutral of the of the three, if you will, of the Guardians on one side, Carol on the other. Right. Did you have anything else to say about this issue? No, I think I think we pretty much. I mean, can't really talk about the Scions much anyway, at least until you do this next issue, because that's when you get a little more inkling. Well, not more of an inkling. You actually get a, a good backstory on them. So I say go for it. All right, Greenlander New Guardians number 33, Attack of the Scions. We open up in deep space as the side of the ship explodes and this uh, the cat-like cyborg scorpion goes out the bay bayside uh, calling for help. Kyle's got him. Uh, Carol's, you know, you know, this is it's not a monster, it's just a kid, you know, someone's hurting these people. Um, Kyle starts asking who did this? Why are you here? She asks, how are you here? Uh, 
she's I thought you were dead. He kind of explains to us what's been going on uh, for him that we saw in the prior issues. Uh, suddenly, everything's quiet, and Kyle's waiting for a slap. <laughs> uh, it's at this point that Carol Tackle kisses him again, which is, I guess, her move. Good on her. Uh, Kyle remarks that it's better than slapping, and she says, I imagine it depends on who's doing the slapping. <laughs> which I took to mean sexually, right off the bat, but that's not what they were going for there. Because <laughs> I'm awful. Um, Carol says someone took Quaros, um, and says, actually, I think they, you know, kidnapped all the Green Lantern, I mean, all the, all the Guardians. Um, Carol says, I can't really sense what's going on around here. I can't sense the Guardians, but... Kyle gives it a shot and says, I kind of felt everything. Uh, I can sense life and energy everywhere and nowhere. It's weird. Thanks for the clarification, Kyle. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, So Kyle just says, let's just start tearing things apart and finding our friends. Uh, All the Guardians are getting dissected or experimented on or, or, or whatever. The Guardians are, you know, resisting, you know... The the high has looked, has looked and seen that you have forgotten. Says one of the thing, we have not. We have only done as you would have would have us do. We have learned. We have only done as asked. We have made ourselves better. Uh, Guardian asks why you're doing this is to become better, uh, become worthy of you, our creators. Dun dun dun. Um, it's at that point we cut back to Kyle and Carol as they kind of go through this museum within the ship of various large experiments and cut into another large museum slash almost science cell looking place of various creatures in again various states of horrifying experimentation carol starts losing it uh and she says, you know, we need to get him out, but Kyle's like, I know, well, we, we, we will try, but I don't know if getting him out is going to hurt them anymore. They've already been through enough. Um, Carol promises that we will help you. Cut back to the guards. We get the uh, history of the Scions in the sense that they were slug-like creatures uh, taken from their planet, unintelligent, unaware, unworthy, taken, experimented on by the Guardians. Um, I'm guessing while they were still... Malthusians, um, they they were you know kind of slowly evolved uh, in in rapid succession, sort of by uh, slowly evolved in rapid succession, uh, <laughs> by by the guardians. Um, and but they were they they were we were imperfect, we were confused, we'd only just begun to understand. We learned to use what you had left behind, and then we learned to build new things. Um, so basically they took this to mean that their purpose was to better themselves and do the same thing the Guardians did to them to the rest of creation, but into their own twisted view. At least that's how I read this. Um, they try to open a, a, a door because it's the only one that won't open for them. And, uh, Kyle smashes it open to see Quaros, um, his hands separated from his, uh, his arms, his brain above his head uh, strung up with all sorts i mean it's gruesome um kyle loses it for half a second and then calms down um kyle says you, you know they wanted this is this is all their experiments they want to make us mad they wanted to see what they've done 
Um, they wanted to see us react. This is over. It's all over. Uh, and then that's when one of the scions says, yes, I believe it's time to bring this particular experiment to an end. The Makers. And that is the end of that issue. Cyborg Scion. Yeah. Looks like Godzilla. <laughs> I just, I'm... Were the Suns always experiments of the Guardians? or were they, I, th- I thought, like like the Zamorans, it was just like another evolutionary splinter group. I'm not 100% sure. I don't, rem- I don't remember exactly what, uh, about their background on that level. Um... Either way, it's an interesting take. Uh, kind of continuing your the historic idea of playing God, whether it's Frankenstein or anything else. That when you start making, when you start playing God, and you know the the results are never good, and it always always tends to come around and boomerang on you one way, one way or another. And kind of this is, even though these guardians were not the ones who clearly were doing it, but still they're the ones they're the ones who are paying the price for it. It's 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 interesting. Uh, uh, again, I mean, I, I the the Carol stuff bothers me a little, uh, especially because I think in, I think it's in this issue when she says, you know, when this is over with, we're gonna have to talk about this, you know, the kiss, basically the kiss, and a whole lot of other stuff, and it's like all the stuff going on, and you know, all all she wants to talk about is you know, her hormo- her hormones basically. But as you pointed out, again, that could that could be the ring, but it's it's getting old. Well, the Carol stuff's getting old for me. It's, I mean, maybe if this, maybe if what was going on in the book itself was more was powerful enough to negate it, then maybe it wouldn't bother me as much. I do find that it's also it's also kind of bothering me that once again, we're, you know, we're, it gets kind of, to me. It just kind of it gets old to see the Guardians, you know, getting their asses kicked. You know, that they're supposed to be so powerful, and yes, we know this is these are like Guardians light. We know that. You know, they've been in cold storage for billions of years. So they're not going to be as powerful as the other Guardians. So you can make a case the other Guardians may not shouldn't have been as powerful as they were as quickly as they were either since they were kids for so long. And then all of a sudden they were just raised through adulthood like just like that. So um, I don't know. I it gets it gets really old to me to see uh, to see the Guardians being so weak and to see Guardians being killed off already. And I don't know. So I. I think it's kind of like regurgitating some of the stuff, and then, well, I mean, the scion. I think the scions are kind of interesting in in their relationship to the guardians, continuing that great tradition of the guardians screwing things up. But it's kind of like a wait and see for me. Yeah. Do you think this is Maltus? Oh, where they where they were doing the experimenting? Yeah, it says the only reason I'm thinking Maltus is not because of you know early in their evolutionary stage. I'm just saying because. We had learned to use what you had left behind in terms of when the Maltusians left Maltus and went to Oa and became Guardians. Or they could just mean literally wherever they were doing the experimenting, they just left the, some of the equipment behind and then they just... Okay, so not, not like kidnapping these slugs, experimenting them on their own home world, but you know, experiment setting up a base on the, well, they, these slugs. Yes, they, I mean, they said they... Well, they said they pulled pulled them from you know pulled us from this place, so they definitely took them somewhere else. I mean, they definitely took them from wherever they originated from to do the experiments. But you don't. This is but it's but it looks like wherever the experiments were done, you know, that's kind of where they were left. So I think I think it's more. So the question is whether we think they. I don't know if they would bring them to Maltus themselves. I don't know. Well, I don't it fu- says 
it says there were limits to what we were able to learn on our world. Only so close to perfection, uh, only so close to perfection could we reach. But ours was not the only world. Unless they took them, experimented with them, and brought them back, basically. Yeah. You know, maybe, but. But you so you think you think you think they took them, experimented on them till they were where the guardians thought they should be, and then put them back on their home planet maybe. to kind of like see how it all panned out evolution wise. I mean, that would if I think that would kind of make sense um, because I don't think they would have left them on Maltus. You know, basically, hey, we're bringing you to Maltus, we're leaving you here, and you know, we're we're moving on to Oa, but we're going to leave you guys here. Uh, I mean, unless it was like part of his like almost like a zoo kind of thing, and they just I don't know, I. Th- I think it's very, I think it's possible that they experimented wherever they experimented with them and just and then just brought them back and or or was there, well they said their world and again unless unless they're considering their world the world where basically they grew they grew up in where they became intelligent not necessarily the world where they were you know they first were as slugs that maybe it was just another world basically it was a almost like a mosaic kind of thing where they were just transported to another planet as an experiment and and they just that became their world because that's where they that's where they evolved further i don't know well maybe maybe we'll get more of a get more of a direct answer yeah uh anything else from this issue no i don't i don't think so i just know that like i said we just need to uh a little less a little less excuse me windy carol and we'll be in good shape so you're saying that what we need is uh, a little less conversation, a little more action. <laughs> <laughs> Something uh, like that. <laughs> uh, shit or get off the pot, Carol. Uh, <laughs> just, just get off the pot. <laughs> uh, so, uh, listener feedback. Sure. Listener feedback. We have not gotten any emails or uh, voicemails since we last uh, recorded. So, just a couple of things over on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Thanks to Dowd and Dwayne for, uh, uh, you know, giving us a, a, a thumbs up there for uh, our uh, SDCC episode, uh, episode 192. Um, you posted a review for Hercules. You want to give some people a, uh, a brief rundown, a couple word? Uh, since, couple the review, word since the review was brief anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say... Hercules was entertaining. It wasn't spectacular. Um, the Rock makes it worth seeing, especially because in the second half of the movie, it does kind of pick up. Most of the story is most of what you see is predictable as far as beats, you know, the beats of the story go. The cast was the cast was good. It so it basically rises and falls on on the Rock. So if you like the Rock, the, the odds are you'll like the movie. But this this is not going to be the movie that, that launches a a rock created franchise as opposed to a rock rescued franchise in which there's lots of those. <laughs> so. Did it live up to your uh, expectations? A borderline. I might have been a little disappointed because I, I kind because it started off a little slow. It didn't really do much for me in the beginning. And again, they also and they also rather go out and they take the create make the creative choice to try to demystify Hercules instead of trying to make him godlike to try to kind of early on to give you explanations for why other people think he's godlike but give more grounded explanations for why he was able to accomplish some of what he was able to accomplish 
So I would say overall it was it probably was maybe a little dis- maybe a slightly disappointing, but it was kind of in the ballpark certainly of what I expected. Um, I posted something today, you know, yesterday, no, today about the omnibus. Uh, yeah. Um, so basically, they finally actually released the actual solicit of uh, the Jeff Johns Green Lantern omnibus, uh, volume one hardcover. Uh, 1,232 full-color pages for 125 bucks on sale January 28th, covering Green Lantern Rebirth 1 through 6, Green Lantern Core Recharge 1 through 5, Green Lantern 1 through 25, Green Lantern Core 14 through 18, T- Tales of Sinestro Core Superman Prime number 1, Green Lantern Core Sinestro Special number 1, Green Lantern Secret Files 2005 number 1, and Green Lantern slash Sinestro Core Secret, Secret Files number 1. Thanks to Kay, uh, Jacob, and Bailey, uh, Michael Bailey, and yourself uh, for uh, talking, uh, talking some points in that. I liked, uh, <laughs> I liked my, one of my, Michael's responses. Two other things. I like the Johns-related omnibuses they've been putting out. Also, Sinestro is in my phone's autocorrect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of fun. <laughs> um, I hope they do this in order. And not what they list it here as. I mean, I get that the you know it would it's it's much easier to do the solicit this way rather than going. We're gonna have Green Lantern Rebirth one through six, Green Lantern Core Recharge one through five, Green Lantern one through fourteen, then Green Lantern Core fourteen, then Green Lantern fifteen, and then Green Lantern Core. I mean, I understand why they wouldn't do that. I imagine since Green Lantern Core fourteen through eighteen is Sinestro Core. And all of, of course, the Sinister Core special and all that stuff is part of that. That that's all in order. I would assume it's going to be in order. I think that it would make to me it would make no sense to have to, to tell it out of order. I mean, the reason the reason I, I I'm not 100 percent certain is because DC has been making some pretty stupid choices with their omnibuy lately. So I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow botch this up. <laughs> now I'm not expecting them to because I mean Jeff Johns is one of the big heads of DC in to begin with, and this is his material that basically, not 100%, but this is what made him famous. So uh, um, I would imagine them to handle it right. But, I mean, y- you never know with DC. <laughs> yeah, you post- that's true. You posted some news from Ain't It Cool about the uh, Godhead crossover? Yes, now I have to find it. But, yes, they... Po- they ironically, because Ain't It Cool news usually doesn't have anything that's news or cool anymore <laughs> for the most part once in a while but they actually did they posted the they posted the covers for this second act so i'm going to assume there's only three acts uh maybe we should just pray that there's only three acts <laughs> of godhead uh because since it's running through all since it's running through all five lantern books and there's two acts. There's probably going to at least be th- there has to be at least three acts. So that's 15 issues right there. Plus we know there's at least one one shot because that's what gets the whole ball rolling. That I don't know if we could really stand anything more than I don't think we really want like a 20 or 22 issue storyline, do we, Chad? <laughs> no. It is interest. It is interesting just because of the at least in the second the solicits for the second act give you a little bit more of an idea of what's going on though again none of it sounds overly unique the fact that it does involve all the other lantern cores uh all the other lantern cores are in trouble uh not surprising it looks like john ends up kind of looks like john i believe if i re- if i read the solicitor right he ends up kind of 
you know, growling some of the, the you know, the Indigo tribe. Uh, and of course, I guess the big, sur- if, if there's a surprise, I mean, the idea that basically things get so, things get so desperate that basically Hal has to turn to Black Hand for help somewhere in this, in the second act. And the fact that as the new gods seek, to, you know, seek control of the life equation, which I guess Kyle, Kyle kind of is the key to now. Though, of course, they it's hinted in the solicits that, that not even the... that that's a power that not even, you know, not even a god or a new god is supposed to possess. So that even kind of indicates that it's not going to probably end well for the new gods in their quest to get this anyway. So it's interesting. I mean, it, it raises... It ups the ante. It's kind of good to see that I, li- I like the idea that it's going to be going through, running through all the books. We haven't had that in a while of consequence. I don't know if I prefer, I kind of maybe wish it was more contained, but unless the story is really good, then we won't complain. But we will see. But it looks like it's probably going to at least be three months worth of issues at this stage. So, all right. But I'm keeping, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. One can only hope. Um, Speaking of which, I hope, <laughs> we hope, I hope St. Walker ends up back in the game by the end of this. Um, again, one can only hope. Yes, indeed. (laughs) So, what, uh, over on Twitter, not a whole lot other than, you know, some recent talk about, you know, plans for episode 200. Um, I, I would say something here, but it seems like we've already got a whole lot of, uh, willing participants over, uh, via social media already, so I don't want to try and squeeze any more than we can try and fit. So just thanks to Marcus, the Sector House... Mark, Andy, Beta Comet, Eric, Michael, Scott, Phil, Raphael, Edu, Mike, Flodo, and uh, you know a, a billion others for various tweets and uh, retweets uh, and favorites. So uh, thanks, guys, for for all the shout out. Um, one of the last things I'll mention before we close this out, unless you have something, Mark. Well, I wanted to mention the comp, the sales, but if you want to do that first, feel free. And then, one, and do you say what you? I mean, depending if you, unless you're what you want to say just naturally leads to us walking out the door, it's up to you which order you want it, to do it, them. It, in. it it does. Go ahead, go ahead, and uh, let's let's talk let's talk sales. This, we haven't really mentioned this in a while. We kind of alluded to it, and since we didn't have any, uh, not much uh, reader feedback this time, we actually did a bunch last time, which is probably part of the reason why we're recording relatively quickly. The last two episodes we've done, not back-to-back, but as close to back-to-back as we've been able to do lately. Just want to do, I mean, this won't take too long, just comparing the June and July sales uh, for all the Lantern books. June was actually a surprising peak, and it'd be quite kind of interesting to kind of figure out why. Um, but Green Lantern number 32 actually made it into the top 20, at number 20, which is the first time I agree think Green Lantern's been in the top 20 for a long time, certainly since Johns has been writing, unless I overlooked something. So Green Lantern was number 20. Green Lantern Core was number 47. Sinestro is number 72. So that was Sinestro number 3. Still not, that wasn't that, it still wasn't a horrible drop, considering that the first issue opened up like in the 30s. That it's still not so bad, and the second issue I believe was around sixty-six or something. So I think that's still not that's still not a huge drop. Red Lanterns was ninety-six, and New Guardians was lucky number one hundred. So at least Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core, you would have to think it was being driven by at least part of the interest, at least at the time, in uh, Uprising, it seemed to push those sales a little higher. 
But when you get to July sales, which still, for at least for the Green Lantern, uh, Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps, still was uprising. Which is, but it still it takes a huge nosedive. Uh, Green Lantern number f- Green Lantern drop number thirty three dropped to number forty eight. So that took I dropped like you know twenty eight spots pretty much in 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 one month. Um, let's see, it takes you a while to find any more. Green Lantern Corps took an even. I mean, Green Lantern Corps dropped all the way down to ninety three. So that's a substantial drop. Sinestro dropped all the way down to one hundred two, and that's a big drop from being in the seventies down to or over the hundred mark already. And the and the biggest, you know, the the big losers of the group are Red Lanterns went all the way down to one twenty nine, New Guardians dropped all the way to one thirty two, and Red Lanterns Annual was one thirty nine, which is something we will will be doing in a soon i suppose once we get do more uh current issue reviews so yeah it's that that's a pretty substantial drop considering right. considering the rise considering the 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 surprising uptick at least on two of the books the fact that they all of them just drop like a rock that's not yeah. a good sign no especially uh, i mean especially since new red lanterns and new guardians had been hovering like in the 90s for a while and then to just completely go all the way down you know basically to Right around one thirty, both of them. It's like that's that's not good at all. Yeah. I don't think it. It's and again, I think it surprised it surprises us more. I think that we the two books that we think are really good are the ones that are selling the selling the worst. Um, the uh, thing I was going to mention that'll lead fairly nicely into our uh, our closing there. Um, kind of a tie between the San Diego episode and uh, into our our closing for this episode. There was some a bit of news I missed, um, with Batwoman number thirty-five. We will be seeing the return to the DC universe of one of my favorite characters in the entire DC universe, if not comics in general. Ragman is coming back, uh, and he will be coming back in the pages of Batwoman. Ragman will be part of a group known as the Unknowns, which consists of not just, uh, well, I don't know if it's participation by Batwoman to help them out, or if she's a part of the group, Uh, but Batwoman is obviously involved since it's happening in her title. Additionally, the demon, Etrigan, will be joining them, Uh, Clayface, and a character known as Red Alice, which I've never heard of, and I think is making her debut with this... um, particular group and is not something we've seen before uh although i don't i haven't read extensively up on that i was more focused on ragman um evidently uh his most of his character design and backstory will be roughly the same if not exactly the same although uh it's coming out with issue number 35 and i'm not sure what will be happening there um ragman supposedly will be you know a part of the cast for a little while um at least long enough for us to get a, a nice storyline and some character development with him and not just as a play off of, uh, of uh, Batwoman. But uh, that prompted my return to my uh, blog, thesuitofsouls.blogspot.com. I told you guys that you know I have kind of a list of things I want to get done before I you know start blogging again and, and stuff like that. And uh, the news that Ragman would be coming back uh, in the pages of Batwoman kind of prompted me to do a little bit of a quicker uh, catch-up than I was uh, planning on, mostly because I've learned a lot about social media in terms of a marketing tool, 
um, between fit, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, especially the use of uh, hashtags. I know some of you have kind of gotten annoyed with the hashtags on like various uh, Lantern Cast posts. Um, very rarely these days will one of them uh, be without purpose. Uh, the, the the use of hashtags is so that people who are not who do not like Lantern Cast or follow Lantern Cast on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And by, by the way, Instagram would be, if anybody's using in the hashtag GLCast on Instagram, it's probably me on my personal Instagram. But if people who are not familiar with the Lantern cast click on, let's say, hashtag Green Lantern, they see relevant public posts about hashtag Green Lantern. So if we use hashtag Green Lantern, we are one of the posts that people would see when they click on it. So it makes sense to use short but relevant uh, hashtags such as hashtag DC Comics, hashtag comics, hashtag Green Lantern, you know, stuff like that. So people who aren't familiar with LanternCast or hashtag GLCast but are interested in those things can still see our posts and we get attention that way. Th that's why I use hashtags. Additionally, that's kind of playing in what I'm saying here is why I came back to the blog quicker is because the hashtags and the use of various names and keywords and stuff is only relevant so long as the information is relevant. So the sooner I got on posting about the fact that Ragman was going to come back, the closer I got it in juxtaposition to the announcement that he'd be coming back, the more attention I'd be getting to my blog, which is why I you know, post, prompted an early comeback. Uh, plus, the sooner I take up the uh, mantle of re-devoting uh, myself to posting to that blog, the less likely I am to get bogged down, because since Ragman will be coming back with issue number 35... That means I have new material, current material to blog about as it comes out, and you know I still have all my retro reviews to do as well. So I, I've got a lot of a lot more content that I need to be covering coming up pretty soon. So I should probably get back to it sooner rather than later. Um, so if, if you guys, because uh, I know there's a good chunk of you out there who are interested in that Ragman blog, uh, it's back. Uh, it'll be posting regularly uh, and, and uh, very very soon. And uh, you can check out uh, thesuitofsouls.blogspot.com. And speaking of social media tactics and hashtags and whatnot, how can people contact us, Mark? Beats the hell out of me, Chad. <laughs> uh, you can email us, lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, lanterncast.com. There you can check out our forums, uh, movie reviews, products of the week, blogs, galleries, you name it. We're working on it. If it's not there now, it'll be there. But we have a lot there now. So uh, as many of you probably already know, but just in case you haven't, this is your first time, feel free to check us out. You won't be disappointed. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. You can use, as Chad, his, his favorite thing, hashtag GLCast to find us on both we are on iTunes and Stitcher and if you like us on iTunes please leave us a positive review last but not least if you would like to leave us a voicemail call us at 708-LANTERN 708-LANTERN and let us know what you think alright guys next review episode we'll do will be number 34's in the Red Lantern Annual uh, although as of right now not all 34's are out yet I don't think so uh, we will, uh, I don't know, I guess we'll have something cool in between then. 
Probably so, and then we got to figure out where we're throwing Sinestro. That's true. Because we do have Sinestro. Because we do have Sinestro Four, right? Yeah, Sinestro Four is already out, so we'll figure it out. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.